you. Good evening. It is cool to be with you. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I was thinking about the rugby because, because I think I lost weight during the rugby. Uh, I, I thought if you wanted to, like a weight loss program, just watch one game after the next like that. And, uh, and I, I got deep joy because I read in the headlines this morning that, um, that in New Zealand they, they're calling counselors and psychologists to be ready because, because of the depression rate that's just hit New Zealand. And I'm just, I know that's not from God, but I feel like it's a gift from God that that, that would happen. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've got two other announcements. Our internship uh, evening. So if you want to be part of our internship, that's happening on the 5th of November. We'd love to have you. And then we've got men's camp coming up. We'd love to have you on that. And if you're sitting next to someone who you think should go on the men's camp, then just do that. Okay, but last week we started off this series on God's will for your life, and Sia did such a phenomenal job, and he basically inspired us with this one big thought. If you want to live in God's will for your life, you have to die. This is exciting. Here's, here's the thinking behind, behind this thought. You can't have God's will operating in your life and your will operating in your life. You can't have God's vision for your life and your vision for your life because if you, if you have God's vision and your vision, then you have two visions. We call that dive vision. And then what happens is that you go God's way, then you go your way, then you go God's way, and you go your way, and it's like Brexit. It just like keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, and you don't actually go anywhere. And so he said, if you want to live in God's will for your life, you have to Take all your hopes and dreams and goals and, and I'll be married by 24 and I'll have babies by 28. And, and you have to take all of that stuff and you have to bury it into God's hands and say, Lord, whatever you want to happen, I put it into your hands. And he had a little seed. And remember, he pushed that seed into the ground. In fact, I did this every day. I just went, Lord, all my hopes and dreams, I push it into your hands. I give them up to you. I did that all the way through the week. It was just awesome. But he had one other thought, which people I, I chatted to found annoying. And, uh, and this was the thought, that if you want God's will for your life, first you have to die. Secondly, God's will for your life is a whole lot more about who you become than what you do. Now, how many doers here? Like, this is how you know you're a doer. You wake up and you've got a checklist, you fill it all in, and by the end of the day, it's longer. You're a doer. Like, anyone like that? Okay. So all the doers, I'm a doer. So I get great joy when I do good things. I, I feel like, man, I added value. So there were a couple of days this week that I left the, by the end of the day, and I went, eh. But then there was one day I got to meet with Philip Sotoli, the deputy city manager, and I, I got to help persuade him that we should put handheld parking meters. You know those handheld parking meters? You're going to think I'm a genius when I'm finished with this. Handheld parking meters into all the guys on Florida Road, Windermere Road, and the beachfront, because if we give them handheld parking meters, one, the city gets more money. I thought that was the, the one. And, and the second thing is that those guys get payment out of that. And the third thing, it means that we can train them to clean up the roads as well as take your money. It's just brilliant. Okay, less convinced. Anyway, uh, we, we chatted about that, and we chatted about opening up some opportunities for business guys in Florida. Right? And uh, he fell asleep twice, but I woke him up with, with inspiration. And, uh, and by the end of the meeting, I thought, like, man, this was good. I added value today. I did something. 
But when you read the scriptures, and you read through what the Bible has to say about God's will for your life, and Sia used 1 Thessalonians 4.3, which says that God's will for your life is that you would be sanctified. And 1 Thessalonians 5.12, it says that rejoice always, always be grateful, um, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life. If you read John 15, it speaks about that you would bear much fruit, and this would glorify your heavenly father, this is God's will for your life. And when I hear that as a doer, what I hear is be nice, which is deeply uninspiring. I don't want to be nice, I want to be potent. I want to make a big difference. And being nice, bleh. See, when I got saved, I was taught this analogy. They, they said, your life can be built on a ladder and you, this is, this is the big thing. It was like a, a scare tactic youth pastors used to use. And, and it's a, your ladder, if you get it wrong, you can, you can build your whole life against the wrong wall. And so here's how it could play out. This is how I understood it. You could be designed by God to become an artist, which is absolutely awesome. Our city needs more. But because of desire for money or, or your fear of the future, you might instead, because you're quite a smart person, decide to become an accountant. And as an accountant, you could work really, really hard and climb up the ladder and get all the way to the top to find that you worked for an accounting firm that, that looked after the Gupta's money. And you could get fired at the end of it and realize that your whole life was built against the wrong wall. Instead, if you'd pursued being an, ar an, an architect, if you'd pursued being an artist, you could have landed up with grace on your life, doing the thing you loved. You could have been like the next Michelangelo of the modern era. It could have been amazing. This is how I understood it. But as I started to get into the scriptures, I started to realize God doesn't think like that at all. In fact, all of you are getting incredibly stressed about what you're going to do as a career because you're 25 and like you feel like you're going to die by 30. Uh, here's what you've got to know. The good news is that God doesn't work like that. Here's, here's how I know that. Because God took a guy called Joseph who was a prisoner, and in one day, he moved him from being a prisoner to being a deputy president. He moved him from that ladder to that ladder in one day. In one day, God took, uh, one fight, actually, God took a shepherd boy and he moved him from being a shepherd boy in one fight to becoming a general. In, in one conversation, Jesus moved a fisherman to becoming a fisher of men. In, in one moment, Jesus took a tax collector and turned him into an evangelist. He can, he can shift where you are in a moment from that ladder to that ladder. God is not at all concerned about where your ladder is pointing. In fact, I think God keeps people with, in wrong spaces so that he can develop fruit in their lives because his concern is way deeper than what you do. It's who you become. See, this is what God's looking for. God is looking for people whose character is so shaped and formed in him that no matter where this ladder is growing, when they get to the top of it, he knows that if there's a, 
a whole gale force of opposition coming against them, they're still going to keep climbing to the top going, God is with me, I will overcome. He, he wants a people who are so established in his love that they can go and doing a mindlessly boring job for a really boring, horrible boss, and they can keep going, going, God is with me, his love is upon me, I will keep loving people. It doesn't matter if they are facing betrayal, it's, it's like hailing betrayal, or the fiery darts of the enemy are coming on them, and they're feeling like everything around them is burning, burning up. God's will for your life is that you would be full of fruit no matter the circumstance, because when you are so full of fruit, because no matter the circumstance, you are promotable by God. You see, if you will be established and rooted in God's love, then here's what's going to happen. You won't have to look for God's will. God's will will find you. You'll be like a magnet for it. And the scripture says, I pray that you may be rooted and established in love so that you may have power together with all, God, all the saints to understand you need power to understand how high and how deep and how wide and how long the love of God is. That, that you would be able to know the love that surpasses all understanding. Because when you are so deeply established in his love, then he will do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine in your life. So tonight, that was just the intro. Tonight, I want to preach about where your roots are planted. I'm going to show you a picture. You know, I've basically killed this poor plant throughout today. We're just going to put it there. This is my, this is my garden. I, I've told you about this tree. I've been trying to kill it for, for a long, long time. And, and so I, I chopped it down with a mate. I, I dug out all the roots. And uh, I, I don't know if you remember, I was like climbing this tree, asked my kids to hold the ladder. And then as I was chopping, the tree fell down, kids scattered, wife shouted at me. Anyway, so I have done everything I can to wipe out this tree. But the flipping thing won't die. And I don't know, what I do know is the only way I'm actually going to kill that flipping thing is if I poison its roots. Some of you feel like you've been chopped down like that, but if your roots are deep in the love of God, I promise you, you will keep sprouting. The Bible's got lots to say about roots. Uh, it, it tells a, a story, Jesus tells a story where he says, a sower went out and he started throwing seed around, and some of it landed on hard soil, birds ate it up, some of it landed on rocky soil. And it, it took root, a tiny bit of soil, the rocks underneath, and, and it, it, it sprang up. But then the sun came, and it killed it. And then he interprets the story, and he says, as for what was sown on rocky soil, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So here's, here's how this whole thing works. When you first come to church, some of you are here for like the first time or maybe the first time in decades, when you first come to church, you come to get something from God, usually a spouse. But, but it could be a whole bunch of things. Sometimes it's that God would heal your marriage. Sometimes it's that he would fix your business, that he would make you rich, whatever. You come to get God to give you something. And that's wonderful. The trouble is, that thing if that's the thing that drives your life, if it's success, 
sex, relationships, money, whatever it is, that thing, all of those worldly things, they cannot feed your spirit man. They can't feed your soul. And so what will happen if you came to God to get something like that from him? Is if you don't establish yourself in his love, what will happen is that somewhere down the line, some of those things will go. And when they start to go, if you're not established in his love, you will find yourself saying, I'm not sure if God's got my back. I don't know if he loves me. I, I don't know if he's real. And you will hear people say things like, I tried the church thing, but it didn't really work. Here's what's actually going on. They are trying to be sustained by the stuff God gives them instead of being sustained by his love. And it dries up. Because the stuff God gave you was never meant to fill you or satisfy you. It was just stuff he gave you. So there's shallow soil. But then the Bible speaks shallow roots, but then the Bible speaks about poison roots, and this is where I'm going tonight. Tonight's is gonna be a little different. I'm kind of setting you up, and then I'm just gonna minister. I am praying that God dries up stuff in your life. That's what I'm praying for. But I'm gonna explain these poison roots, and I'm gonna pray preach a little bit, have some music, and then I'm going to try and make you all cry. Are you amped? Okay, here we go. Some of you knew you're going like, this like problem. Okay, Hebrews 12:15 says this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See to it that no bitter root grows up inside you. I want to submit to you that I doubt there is a person in this room who does not carry bitterness. I'm going to explain why and then you'll start to understand. You see, what bitterness means is it means unforgiveness, hatred, hope deferred. It actually even means the word dislike. And so we get bitter towards people. We get bitter towards God. We get bitter towards ourselves. This is how it, how it works with people. Over the last little while, a few people have really hurt me. I love them. They're good people, but they hurt me. And, um, and then this last week, a whole bunch of opportunities came my way, and I knew they were a gift from God. It was just like, this is incredible. And I thought to myself, as I was thinking about which opportunities I was going to pursue, I thought to myself, this, I know this doesn't happen to you, it just happens to me. I thought to myself, when I go through that door, and they're over there, I'm just going to like close it behind me so that they don't come with me. You know what that is? That's bitterness. That's bitterness. And bitterness, it happens whenever you look at that person, you just feel that angst. See, bitterness isn't the thing that makes you, like, rage. Bitterness is just like a, this negative stuff that just sits. Hope deferred. I just can't get excited about it anymore. I, can't, I just don't love it anymore. It just, it just sits in me. And we get it with one another. But we get it with God. You see, this is how we get it with God. We go, God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he could have. 
We go, I know he's good, I know he loves me, but he could have healed her. He could have promoted me. He could have moved me into that situation. He could have stopped her from breaking up with me. He could have, because God is all-knowing and all-loving. And though I know I must say he's good, I actually just feel bitter. And pretty much every Christian I know sits with a little bit in their subconscious, just this little doubt of God's character. Because if he really was good, wouldn't he have? Just sits there. It's the root of bitterness. And then there's bitterness against yourself. How many of you are hard on yourself? Like, just be honest. You're like, you're hard on yourself. So, so here's what happens. If you're, one, if you're like me and you're hard on yourself, you go, I should have tried harder. You know when something goes wrong? We don't go, it was that plonker's fault. We go, I should have. Do you hear yourself saying that? I should have. I should have been more diligent. I should have cared more. I should have gone out of my way. I shouldn't have done that. This is, these are the words of people who land up bitter against themselves. And then you wake up one day, and this thing has, it's kind of got inside of you, and it started as a, I should have, and it's landed up as an identity that I'm just not. It's a root of bitterness, and I want to pull it out. So, Heavenly Father, I ask that you anoint me. From this moment, God, I ask that you anoint me to reach into people's hearts, and you, by your Holy Spirit, will dry up roots. Okay. I'm going to read a text, and then we, we're going to get after this. In Mark 11, verse 12, it says this. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to, sorry, the next verse. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out many people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then the next day, it says, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, if you read that, like Jesus goes, he sees this fig tree, it's, it's got leaves, but it's got no fruit, so he curses the thing. Then he walks on to the temple, gets in there, oaks are misbehaving, so he starts tossing tables at people. Like, you read it the first time, you go like, Jesus is just having a really bad day. Like, uh, Jesus is not at his A game. Like, it's okay, we all have bad days. Like, that's, that's what goes on. Until you start to understand that these two stories are related. They're linked. The fig tree is a prophetic picture of the temple. And here's how it works. So, fig trees are designed to produce food for people to eat. Temples were designed to produce spiritual food for people to eat. The fig tree, the people come to, Jesus comes to, and, and here's the thing about figs, they have a season where they produce new figs, and they have, when the leaves are green, they always produce old figs. So this 
fig tree, even, even though it wasn't seasoned, should have produced fruit. Jesus looks at the fig tree and he goes, you're like the temple. You're all green on the outside, but there's no spiritual food coming through. And the result is, I'm going to curse this fig tree. I'm going to dry it up by the root. Now, you've got to understand what the root is. The root is the mechanism by which you access the nourishment that God's got there for you. The root of the tree is a physical root. The root of the temple was the sacrificial system with the priests facilitating it. And so here's how it worked. If you wanted the nourishment of God, what you would do is you would bring by your effort a sacrifice at your cost that the priest would then kill. And in the killing, you were actually saying, I have faith in God to forgive me of sins and put my sins on this animal, a picture of Jesus. And and through that, you're made righteous. And in your righteousness, you can receive the presence of God. That's how the temple was supposed to work. But Jesus looks at both of them not producing fruit, and he goes, I'm going to dry you up. Temple, no man will ever be able to access the nourishment of God by his own work again, by his own sacrifice again. The only way they're ever going to be able to access the nourishment of God is through my sacrifice alone. I'm going to tell you why this is so important. Some of you are quite young. But you will one day wake up. And you wake up one day. And you'll go, I've been around this mountain before. I've, I've done this and I've landed back in debt. And I tried so hard not to get into debt. Or you go, I, I thought I'd done, dealt with my anger and it can be a month, it can be years, it can be a day, but I've been around this thing and I'm just angry. Or I thought I'd dealt with my rejection, but it's been three years now and, and that person rejected me and I felt the same feelings that I felt back when I was there. And here's especially if you're one of those people hard on yourself, you've been trying so hard. You've gone to anger management classes. You have done every course you can on not getting into debt. You're tithing. You're doing everything else right, but you have landed yourself back in debt. You know why you landed yourself back in debt? It's because there's a root problem. There's a root issue. There's a root that you need Jesus to dry up. Some of you, you're struggling with with lust and porn in your life. And you think porn's the problem. I want to tell you, porn isn't the problem. There's a root problem. Porn is the fruit. But there is a root problem that is sucking up some form of bitterness that is getting into your life, probably causing rejection and loneliness, and the result is the fruit is you're choosing something that can't actually satisfy, but it's the only thing that dulls your senses and your loneliness for a moment. You have a root issue, and if you keep trying to deal with the fruit issue, you're gonna go round and round in circles until you believe there is something fundamentally wrong with you. You got a root problem. And you need Jesus to dry up the root. So Jesus, he says, the sacrificial system that you used to do of these 10 steps and these five things and I will change myself like that, I'm not going to let it work anymore. I'm going to dry that thing up. 
The only way you're going to be set free is if you come to me and let me dry up the root in you. Some of you have been trying so hard for so long to beat this thing in your life and God's going, the only way it's going to happen is I'm going to do it for you. But here's the thing. Anytime you pull a root out, you rip something of yourself off. You pull roots out, you say, Jesus, drive this root, something in you gets ripped out. And it hurts. See, a root got there because you fed it. And if you're going to be planted into the love of Christ, you've got to get those roots out. Because you can't have a root in here and a root in here and a root in there. Those will poison this. This is disgusting. I don't even know what it is. It's just disgusting. We're going to, worship team, you can come up. I think there are people in here who know exactly what your root is. Or you know the fruit of it. But Jesus drying it up probably means, if you're this person, that you have to let go of the stuff that makes you feel good. Being successful at work, being the thing that makes you feel good. You have to go, okay, God, dry that thing up so that I can be sustained by your love and not that thing. If you, if you want God's will for your life, you start praying prayers about, God, dry up my leaning into my good looks so that I can find a partner. I'm gonna lean into your presence to find a partner. God, dry up all the TV I watch that's sustaining me and filling me, filling my mind and filling my heart. Fill me with your love. Jesus. You know, the one thing about Jesus is that when he was on the cross, they gave him bitter gall to taste. And uh, they put it in his mouth and he tasted it, but he would not drink it. Every one of you, you're going to face bitterness. You can taste it, you just shouldn't drink it. But if you do drink it, know that Jesus did this next. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And if you've got a bitter root inside of you, and I think pretty much everyone in this room probably does, if you've got a bitter root, the way out of it is to go, God, I'm sorry. I tasted it and I drank it. But today I choose to forgive them. They don't know what they do. Now, God, will you just dry this thing up? Now, watch it shift stuff inside of you. So here's what we're going to do. We've got communion. Communion is actually going to wait. Communion will go out in a moment. These guys are going to sing a song. I felt like God was dealing with some roots in me over the last season. And uh, and whilst he was dealing with those roots, I kept playing the song. Because the song just ministered to my heart and gave me faith to put myself back here. And I want you to listen to the song. Let it minister to you. And then we're going to take communion together. And I'm going to trust that God rips some stuff out of your life. Is that cool? So listen to this.
your story is my fingerprint in the valley there is confidence in the shadow i will be your strength one day is for sure i am your why you didn't fix that but I choose to let this bitterness go and I'm going to take it I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm just going God I choose now to trust you though it doesn't make any sense I forgive you 
begin to forgive people, you forgive yourself. You know what? I was praying the once and uh, I was under a lot of spiritual attack. And uh, I had this vision of all these like swords jabbing at me. And uh, I said, God, who's throwing all the swords? And I saw them all come into one person. And as I looked, it was me. It was my, Russ, you should have. Russ, you could have. Russ, you, you could have done better. You should have tried harder. And some of you have lived under that. And it's become demonic. And it's robbing and killing your life. And it's, it's a root of bitterness. And God wants it out. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to take communion with those who've got. And for those who haven't, I'm, I'm just going to lead you in the prayer. And the prayer goes like this. Heavenly Father, I ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, reveal what roots are in me. And then I ask that you dry them up. And you go, God... Show me who I need to forgive. For some of you, it's it's a dad. For some of you, it's a mom. For some of you, it's a coworker, a boss. You just go, God, I, I don't want bitterness. I choose to forgive them. I pray for them. I bless them. Father, they didn't know what they did. They... I choose to believe that they don't know what they're doing. And so God, I give them back to you and I ask that you dry up bitterness in my life. And I ask that you free me. But dry up the root. Holy Spirit, will you just come upon people? Will you begin setting them free throughout this room? I ask God that people will literally be ripped away from demonic powers over their lives and they'll be shifted into your grace. now Lord we thank you for your body that was ripped apart for this great gift of your presence and we take of your body broken for us Some of you, God will have done a surgery inside of you tonight. Actually, you're fine now, but you're going to go home and you're going to feel raw. Because God's actually dealt with something in your life. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Every day, next week, why don't you get that song? And go, Lord, I am going to root myself so deeply in your love. And I'm trusting that thing that that you dried up is going to be taken away and you're going to replace it with something so much better. For this is God's will for your life.